Hello everyone, welcome to session four of the Bebop Rewatch uh, podcast from Wulong Talks. My name is Jason, I'm the host of the show, as you know, uh, and I'm joined as always by my buddy Rich Kid, aka The Rustling Kid. Rich, say what's up? What's up, what's up? Cool, man, and uh, thanks for coming along and welcome to the show. If it's the first time you're joining us for a Bebop Rewatch episode, what we do here is we rewatch episode by episode um, the greatest anime TV series ever made, TM as far as we're concerned, uh, Cowboy Bebop. Um, for those of you unfamiliar with Cowboy Bebop, I would suggest you go back and listen to the first episode of the Bebop Rewatch, um, which is available on whichever podcast channel you found this on. Um, you can definitely check out, as said, the preamble, because that really does uh, explain a little bit about what we do with with this particular show and um, why we love Cowboy Bebop so much. Um, but yeah, you're, for those of you who've been following us for a while, you already know all of that. And the only thing you want to talk about is session number four, um, which we'll be talking about today. <laughs> uh, it's called Gateway Shuffle. Um, and it's a pretty interesting episode. It's it's quite a quite a lightweight episode, I thought. Um, quite kind of bright and, and breezy. Um, there's nothing really too kind of meaty here. Um, it, it kind of follows a theme from some of the earlier episodes where, um, you know, with the early episodes, although there's there's kind of moments of, of levity as, as we've heard, you know, in, in the previous episodes and um, as Richard has explained, um, there's some kind of heavier incidents and, and things that happen. Generally, they keep quite a light tone early on because you're still kind of, um, at the stage of the story where they're, they're just kind of introducing characters to us and um, sort of telling, you know, these funny, quirky stories within um, the context of this world. So, um, you know, I found this episode to be quite entertaining, um, as I said, quite lightweight, and it takes a kind of a humorous look at, at kind of how we deal with a very serious real-world problem that we're facing right now and certainly were facing back in 1995 when this episode first aired. Um, but, yeah, Rich, I mean, like in terms of the Gateway Shuffle, what did you think of this episode as a whole? Were you uh, kind of happy with it or did you think it was a bit too lightweight and too kind of inconsequential when compared to the rest of the story? Um, what do you think of it? It's is is it actually might be one of the most lightweight episodes if if I'm mm. I mean like, I mean like like we've told the audience it. I don't know, you know, like we said, like Jason said, if there's any new listeners out there, we're doing it episode by episode. So we we basically stayed away from watching the show or like, you know, and so we're we're trying to re- review the shows or the episodes almost as like like newcomers, you know. Um and when watching it, as much as I love every single episode of Cowboy Bebop, there are episodes that, that aren't needed. Mm. If if I had, you know, like you know, you know, like say, like you know, who who do you love more, your mum or your dad? Like yeah, you got you got to pick one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this could be one of those episodes where I'd be like, well, you know what? It didn't really, it didn't really give me anything that you know that would, that would make me say like, oh my god, like this this show is amazing. You know, like it, it, it was just good. Everything else before it has like has kept me has kept me stuck on the show. So if I missed this episode, like let's say just by accident, it it wouldn't have like had any form of impact on, on my views as a whole. Um, I think it's just it's just one of those ones that's, you know, when they make TV shows and they've got things like the cross, you've got like you know like the pilot episode that they that they show, and then if that if that does well, then they commission the show, and then they've got like a crossover episode. 
So just in case like the, the show is kind of lacking in ratings, they might cross it over with another show mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I, and then they've just got like just a filler in episode. That's what this is. This is just a filler in episode to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, the only thing that it, it does show that's of any form of like, oh, it's again, is when we see Jet talking to the ISS police officer who is his friend. And he had a conversation with him in, in, in one of the first two episodes. My, my mind is playing tricks on me. But that's the only thing that, um, that I'm just like, oh, okay, that's, that's of some form of consequence. And it does try to give like a wider scheme of things of like everything in this universe. So now you've got like these eco-terrorists. So eco-terrorism is something that still exists. You know, depend, you know, I mean, an eco-terrorist is, you know, what you call someone depending on which side of the fence you're standing on. But at the same time, like I said, it, to me, it's just a filling episode. Like I, I did, I wouldn't, I didn't miss anything um, by, 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 by not watching it, or I wouldn't miss anything by not watching it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, said it. I mean, this one is is a lot lighter. It doesn't really um, play into uh, the wider narrative of of the series too much, um, apart from the fact that it, it kind of brings us back to one of the characters we last saw in session three, but um, we'll get into that now. So we'll talk a little bit about the episode. So um, for those of you who haven't watched it yet, obviously don't listen any further until you've watched the episode um, because we're going to spoil it. So go watch the episode (laughs) first, then listen to this episode and then you'll get what we're talking about and and where it's going from here. So um, the episode kind of starts with us almost immediately running into Faye Valentine, who we were first introduced to in session three. Um, we talked a bit about Faye and, and her kind of character and how she's um, how she's represented and, and kind of a little bit about her history and the few kind of things that she hints at. Um, uh, and at the start of this episode, we find her kind of immediately from the end of uh, session three where she has escaped with the money um, that the crew from the Bebop had earned in the previous uh, session. Um, But her ship has run out of fuel, um, the red tail, and it's kind of left just sort of floating in space, basically. Um, And she's clearly eaten through all of her rations um, and looks to be struggling, basically, (laughs) and has kind of resigned herself to, I guess, floating around in space until you know, death takes her or, or whatever it is. Um, but then um, what she does happen is, is she encounters like the homing beacon of um, a wrecked ship uh, that's found in space. And so she decides to go and, and take her little ship to, to go and investigate that. Um, and we find out that she's um, just outside of a planet uh, called Ganymede. Um, Ganymede is is a, a planet that looks a little bit like a, a kind of um, almost like a like like a, a truck stop, like an American truck stop. So it looks kind of like a, a spaceport type of place, I guess, um, for the, for this universe. And we find out that Jack and Spike are uh, on this planet as well, and they're staking out. Uh, a bounty that they're supposed to be tracking a bounty uh, of a guy called Morgan. Um, they use like some technology to kind of realize that, that Morgan has done the same thing. And and this is what I, I love about Cowboy Bebop is the callbacks. Morgan has done the same treatment that um, 
Hakim Abdul had in session two and has mm. changed his features. So, um, because in this universe, listeners, that you know, as you would have known by now, um, people have the ability to change their facial features um, via an operation that makes them look different. Um, and so, because they've, uh, th this person has had this uh, facial you know, I don't know what you call it, I guess facial surgery, um, to change their appearance, they now are able to kind of pass around in plain sight even when they're wanted. However, there is technology that can recognize people when they've done this and, and Jet has something that he uses. Uh, or I think it might be Spike actually has the, the goggles, I can't remember. No, no it's um, Jet. Jet has the goggles. Jet, yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Jet kind of realizes that, um, you know, there's a like a percentage, like a 95% chance that it's, it's Morgan, apparently. Um, whilst they're, they're there kind of scoping him out and getting ready to make their move to uh, arrest him, um, at this same, you know, restaurant that they're at, where, where they were kind of spying on him, um, is the arrival of, of a group that are called the Space Warriors. Um, and they're led by a, a woman that they all refer to as Mother. Um, now, you know, before we started recording this episode, me and Rich were talking just about how creepy, like, Mother is. So, so Rich, <laughs> do you want to, so Rich, I mean, how, like, how creepy is Mother, basically, <laughs> I guess is what I'm asking you. Well, well the thing is, I mean, like, I mean, like, we, we've spoken about this before, with her, like, but then it also comes into recent, like, you know, so not to digress, not to, you know, digress from, from the situation of being up. But we just had the news, you know, that in a space of like 24 hours or 48 hours about Asia Argento having, you know, sexual relations with, with, an, with, under, with, with a guy who's now 22, but since, she, since he's been 17, but she's known him since he was seven. And I remember the first thing you said, Jay, was like, what? That sounds like a grooming to me, mate. <laughs> like, and, and, that's, and like I said, that's the thing that we get with mother. She just seems like this, this figurehead of this organization that only has men as members referred to as mother. Just talking about it makes my skin cool. It just, like, it just, it just makes me think that there might be some form of underlying things that maybe a show like this wouldn't necessarily touch upon just because none of the episodes touch upon it. But there's enough kind of clues to make you take a step back and go like, that looks fucking suspect. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, so mother just looks a bit like um that mother may also be a girlfriend to some of these people but not in a nice way considering her age and considering yeah 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 it, i mean if you don't listen listeners if you're not getting what i'm trying to get at right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> then yeah then, then then that's your own fault but i just think that she she she's not the nicest of people she just seems really really creepy then mm. she reminded me of do you remember um that that movie the witches based on the, the Roald Dahl book. Um, no, I've read the book, but I've never seen the film, you know? Okay, okay. The movie adaptation of The Witches is really good. Um, and mm. the main, which I can't remember her name, but is played by Angelica Houston. Mm. And there was just something about, like, the way uh, Mother kind of carries herself, the way she talks. Um, in you know, she talks with a very kind of slow and deliberate, um, exaggerated accent. Um, and she always kind of has this this kind of, evil smile smirk on her face it's not even a smile it's a smirk she walks around with a smirk on her face um and 
yeah, it just reminded me of the the, the witches so much, man. Like when I, I saw that, I was like, oh, that that kind of made me my skin crawl because the witches was always a, a bit like Ugh, the the movie was, yeah, a bit mad, and even the book itself is is crazy as well. Mm, mm. But, um, Listeners, I'm sure one of you must have read The Witches or knows that movie and could tell us the name. So if you can, please do. Um, you'll find out how to, to holler at us on social media after the podcast. But yeah, that, that's what it, Mother reminds me of anyway. Um, and plus the way she's dressed as well. She's all dressed in like kind of purple, um, like a floor length dress. Um, she's got her hair done up in like a kind of very... Um, I guess sort of early 19th century style. It's all kind of done up in like a like a bun on the top of her head. And it just all feels a bit creepy, as said. <laughs> like very creepy. Mm, mm. So anyway, she arrives at, at the restaurant with the, the Space Warriors. Um, and the Space Warriors, is, as Rich said, are a group of eco-terrorists. And, um, you know, as in terms of the, the, the word terrorist, I mean... You know, you can argue that one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Um, mm. But basically, you know, the 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 space warriors are, are eco warriors and they believe that humanity is destroying, um, you know, the, the, the solar system at a rate at which it destroyed uh, planet Earth. And they want to put a stop to what they see as, as mankind's, you know, excesses, which, um, you know, as said, some people would, would probably agree with and say, yeah, you know, that mankind is, is going too far. Um, so, you know, the, the, the organization does that and it does so in a very violent way. Um, you know, they're not the type to, to kind of protest and, and things like that. They, they will simply go out and, and take direct action against whoever it is or whatever it is that they feel is, um, is causing the problem. So, so they arrive at this restaurant as well. And it turns out that, um, they are there to confront Morgan as well um when he demands a, a specific dish so he decides that he wants um sea rat or something like that which is um i never actually looked it up to see whether sea rats are a real animal or not i don't know if they they made it up for the show or if it's if that's a real thing um i don't know if you know if it's real rich or not uh, l listen sea rat just that alone, i don't even know if it's real well the thing is i mean they are quite cute i mean the cartoon makes them look very cute and you know and, and stuff like that but as i said i have no idea if they're real um they mm. might well be real real animals I, I don't know um but anyway he morgan you know kind of attracts the attention of the space warriors because he orders this dish um for an animal that it turns out the sea rat is is kind of highly endangered and there's like a quick montage explaining you know kind of how the sea rat has been hunted um to the point of of near extinction and um, basically the space warriors view anybody who who would order this kind of fuel uh, a food a murderer um and the only way to kind of deal with murderers in their world is to execute them um so you know once they overhear morgan ordering this meal it's like mother kind of slowly turns and looks at him um and basically condemns him for what he's ordered um he kind of basically tells her to take a run and jump um and so the space warriors pull out machine guns and then just start blasting the whole place um and 
it's just it's nuts like it's it's crazy <laughs> the whole thing is just it's just mad because they're filling this place with lead like bullets is flying everywhere like there's a holy pair of women with morgan they're all getting shot indiscriminately at this point like jet and spike die for cover because they're, they're getting shot at as well um and the whole scene is just mad and you know what it reminded me of a little bit it reminded me a little bit of um you know the scene from uh oh god the movie's name's gone from my head scarface um when the uh colombians send two people to go and kill um scarface at a nightclub when he's sitting at the table and then these two yeah, guys yeah, yeah, yeah. with their machine guns and just start shooting yeah. the place up and start shooting dancers everybody they just start mm. spraying everybody that's kind of what that scene reminded me of it was just like it was that indiscriminateness of the way that they were just going around like you know if you were too stupid to not get out of the way then tough you're dying as well mm. um and that kind of ruthlessness was like raw okay these you know these guys might seem a little bit pathetic and and stupid the way they're fawning over mother but boy put a gun in their hand and they're they're murking anybody everybody yeah 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 you know so that that, that scene was was kind of mad and um and richard said it goes back to the thing you always say about cowboy people that there's always that reminder that this is real and that things can turn dark in the blink of an eye you know we we get a very kind of somewhat humorous introduction to all of these characters but in you know within a moment things get dark and bloody and violent and people are dying you know um so yeah i said it, it you know rich uh, made this point on previous episodes and um it, it definitely plays out here in the scene you know mm. so um i think from here what what happens is um they realize that um mother whose whose real name is twinkle maria murdoch um is worth 25 million wulongs in bounty um i think it's jet actually who, who, who remembers um and spike is like well then listen 25 million like forget about morgan morgan's dead and he wasn't worth that much anyway. <laughs> like you know mother's worth way more so um Spike is like, well, we're taking her in, isn't it? So he goes to um, confront Mother, and um, he manages to stop them before they they leave. Um, and there's a bit of a standoff between him and Mother. I don't remember exactly what was said. Do you remember like what kind of the the back and forth was like between the two of them? What between what between Spike and, and between Spike and Mother? And Mother? Yeah, I can't, I can't I can't remember exactly. All I know is that you kind of get the feeling that Spike isn't one who's too hot on terrorism. Mm. Like he, like he, he, he's almost like he kind of looks down on her. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of weird because as like, you know, viewers, like I said, we, we kind of know the show where you kind of find out some of the stuff. We don't even find out some of the stuff that Spike's done, but you just know that he's done some bad stuff in his past life. But in this, like, he's just like, yeah, like, he, I, I, I don't know. He's almost, he, he literally just looks at her as just a number in order for him to get paid. Whereas, like you know, you know, some people that he that he may chase, or he or he or he may have chased, mm. you get the thing of like, well, listen, you've you've done something bad, like you, you're gonna have to pay, you're gonna have to pay for your, you know, for your crime. This person is like, I don't even. This person is like, I don't even respect you. You think you're saying that you're doing something in the name of good, you know, for for nature, whatever, mm. but you're not. You're just a blatant terrorist. So I'm not even gonna give you the time of day. I just remember that feeling, and the 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 this te- the, the look of this taste on his face. When when he when he's having when he's actually engaging with her, especially mm. when um you know later on in the, in the, in the, the few scenes where 
it, it kind of takes her a bit of a turn and she ends up, you know, leaving and going somewhere else where he, where he has to stay and Spike has to stay where he has to stay. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this one, um, yeah, it, it, there is a real kind of tension between the, the two of them and and Spike, has, as we've said before, you know, he's a very, um, he's a very melancholy kind of character and he, you know, he doesn't really have much time for anybody frankly like in it, who there's very few people that he will come across in along the story of, of cowboy bebop that affect him that that deeply um you know he generally doesn't like views somebody as either you know his next challenge or his next meal ticket and that's basically you know all you are to him um but with mother yeah it, it feels a little bit like she's kind of got under his skin there that there's something about her and the and the way she she kind of manages the organization and what the organization does that seems to bother him um but anyway they they managed to capture mother um so they they hold her at gunpoint and um the rest of the uh space warriors are forced to leave the restaurant without her so they take her into custody um and they bring her back on the bebop um and jet looks up um, some details of, uh, about the space warriors and that's where you kind of get like the um the montage explaining a bit about who they are and and some of the the kind of atrocities that they've carried out in the name of of protecting the environment um and jet also realizes that the, the bounty on her is basically invalid because i think um from what i remember she has signed some kind of agreement with the government on ganymede um whereby uh she was basically immune from uh prosecution because as it turns out they've um managed to steal this virus um which they're threatening to unleash on mankind um at this point we don't know anything really about what the virus is um but we do get a, a shot and a short scene of of um the space warriors back on their uh, vessel and within the vessel you see these kind of containers that have got like monkeys in them that are screaming like really violently and banging against the glass and they look really sort of distressed and stuff um and it does make you think like why are they you know keeping monkeys in that condition if these people say they're they're eco warriors you know um it, it doesn't really make sense but as is always the case with cowboy bebop all will be revealed in due course so um we get you know a little kind of foreshadowing as to what's to come so anyway, um, the the story kind of moves on from there, and uh, we get a scene with Faye, um, who finds a guy up in space, um, on the uh, ship that was stranded up in space that she'd stumbled across earlier from from following the distress signal, and there's somebody alive in in one of the life support um, pods, and he gives her uh, this briefcase, and before he dies, he says to her, you know, please get this to the the ISSP, which is. Um, the International Space Police, as, as we've established in previous episodes. Um, so she gives him the case, uh, sorry, he gives her the case. And, you know, she's kind of like deciding, what should I do? What should I do? In the end, her curiosity gets the better of her and she opens it up um, and she finds this kind of gold, like almost like a triangle in there. Um, and she has no clue what it is. Um, and this at, at this point, neither do we really um but that gold object holds a very very important thing in it so um then we get a um a scene back on the bebop where jet receives um a communication from Faye, and she tells them that you know she's out of float fuel can they come pick her up um 
they they kind of listen along and are like, oh yeah, you know, they they um, they, I, I suppose there there's no love lost there in it because they she stole their money, so they're just kind of like, listen, we don't need to do anything for this chick, like <laughs> what for, you know? Mm. Um, so they both kind of have a little laugh about it and share a joke, um, until they realize that. You know, she's actually on the bebop already anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So, um, so then we get the, the kind of mid episode break and then it starts again. Um, and they've got Faye handcuffed, uh, to a ladder on the bebop. Um, this is quite a, a famous scene as well. You've probably seen, if you're a Bebop fan, or even if you're not, you may have come across the image of uh, Faye Valentine with one hand kind of handcuffed behind her to a pole. Um, for some reason, this image has become very, very iconic, and um, it's something that, as I said, you see a lot around on social media and um, on art groups and, and things like that. Um, because I think in, in that kind of image, it, it kind of encapsulates... Um, Faye's personality in a way in that she's um, she can be very playful and and um, very seductive but you know underneath that there is kind of this this steel this kind of resolve behind her that I guess a bloody mindedness and and, and a kind of you know you're not going to get the better of me you might you may think you've got me locked down but really I've got you locked down um, and she loves to kind of like you know, play with people and, and toy with, with people in that way. And that's what she does to the guys for a couple of minutes while they're trying to work out what the hell to do with her. Um, and then Spike is kind of like digging through all of her belongings that she came on board with and he finds the gold um, trinket. Um, so Spike is is trying to open the thing. And at this point now, we've realized that um, because the story has progressed, that this gold thing that that's Faye has been given by the, the injured pilot is actually um, a capsule for, in, for holding this virus, the virus that they're threatening to release. Um, and then you get this really funny animated scene where um, in a kind of really, really like cartoonish way, while uh, Jet is speaking to Faye, and speaking to mother spike is in the background kind of doing everything he can to open this thing and he's literally like i don't know if you remember it rich but it's, it's a bit like watching a bugs bunny cartoon character he's like he's like he puts it in yeah, his yeah. teeth and he's trying to pull it out of his teeth that doesn't work he tries to shoot it i think at one point that doesn't work he tries to um he's banging it against different stuff in the background and it's like he proper what makes me laugh about it is it is it's that kind of typical man thing we're like mm. we're kind of because we don't always think logically when it comes to, to problems like this, we we kind of we descend almost into like kind of caveman and it's like, you know what? This thing I must open. Must open mm. thing. Uh, <laughs> thing locks. Uh must break thing. Yes, break thing and thing will open. I beat thing, you know, and it's just like that that's kind of like how we are. We kind of dissolve into that state when when we we're defeated by something so simple and that's basically what spike does and um as said the animators do a really good job with this because it's it's just really funny <laughs> to watch spike kind of freaking out over how to open this thing whilst there's various different conversations and things going on in the background um so that's a really cool scene listeners so i would definitely um check that check that out because it's, it's really funny um anyway jet i think gets in contact with a buddy of his called bob 
who is now working for the ISP uh, on Ganymede. Um, Bob, Bob doesn't really want to give any details away about why the bounty has been cancelled, but but Jet kind of blackmails him and um, is basically says, look, listen, I know you've been stealing drugs. Um, pardon me. I, I know you've been stealing drugs and, and things like that um, from the police. I will tell them what's happening if you don't tell me what's happening. Um, so basically, like Bob kind of explains the, the the whole story at this point. So we find out that um, the virus that's contained in this gold object um, is actually called monkey business, um, and it affects the the kind of the difference between humans and monkeys. So, brief science lesson, listeners. Um, as all of you probably know, we share a certain amount of DNA with monkeys. Um, and so what the virus does is it basically kicks that percentage of our DNA structure um, that is monkey into gear and effectively it, it turns all humans who come into contact with it into monkeys. Um, but it doesn't affect other plants and animals. So um, this is the eco-terrorist plan, basically, is to release this virus on Ganymede and turn the entire population of Ganymede into, a, you know, a planet of, of monkeys to kind of redress the balance. So a very kind of Thanos thing before Thanos was a thing, you know. So um, it, <laughs> what did you think about, like, kind of the, the plot twist of that and, and the fact that they were turning people into monkeys? Because I was, like, expecting it to be some kind of virus that melts your eyeballs or boils your skin or something like that. So for it to turn out to be something that that is like that turns people into monkeys, I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> like it's almost <laughs> so it's almost so ridiculous that you don't even really know kind of how to take it. I mean, it it, it was funny, but it it just was yeah, it just seemed so ridiculous to me. So I don't know. I mean, what did what did you think of, of that kind of plot twist? There? Well, the thing is, is like, I mean, that's kind of like how this episode is actually even kind of set up, whereas like everything just seems so ridiculous but then yet it can easily happen like as there's just there's just a lot of stuff that happens in this where you're just like wait a minute like if you read this on paper you'd be like is this really a true thing like like for example i mean i i completely forgot but i'm, I'm actually going to google if there is such a thing as c rat mm. <laughs> like you know because on paper just like what c and a rat yeah that really exists and you find out it's got like a you know is a delicacy in china or something like that mm. um so the thing that makes me laugh about this whole virus is that it, it to me it kind of links back to spike trying to open the vial because uh basically you, you basically you got you, got, you slightly got it mixed up he opens the vial by shooting it at the end mm. which to me mm. which to, which to me is the most like animal thing but as a thing, like you described Spike trying to open it as like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. The thing is, I remember watching the episode and to me, it reminds me of like a monkey. Yeah. Finding yeah, yeah, like yeah, something. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. almost kind of just like, it's kind of ironic where you've got this virus that can actually change humans back into monkeys. And then you've got Spike with this thing. And like you said, like, you know, like Jason said, guys, like you need to, you need to watch the scene because this guy just starts doing anything and everything. And like I said, he ends up shooting the vial to open it anybody mm. in the right mind would be like oh you know what? forget it i'm never gonna bother open it he mm. gets a gun and shoots <laughs> <laughs> and shoots a vial open <laughs> so yeah so that so when you find out what the virus is it's kind of it's like yeah we're kind of not that far off anyway you know and like basically you look at 
the eco-terrorists that, that are underneath mother and they're kind of just like just monkeys following her around any you know <laughs> you know what i mean so the so the, the episode does have kind of like an underlining theme depending on how deep you want to look but yeah like you said like i wasn't expecting to hear that like a virus that turns people into monkeys i thought it was going to be like some space age version of the ebola virus or something like that man yeah, that's what i was yeah, that's yeah. what i was waiting for mm. so yeah but once again like we said it is just it shows you just how the bebop show can just like just flips things on its head it can be like serious and like jerky at the same time but then you know but not but but you know but not but not mess things up it will still keep you engaged in the episode so yeah that like, is yeah it's, it's, it's a wicked twist i'll give it that mm-hmm. yeah man it, it was definitely something i didn't see coming and yeah you're you're right it's he actually does shoot it to open it um yeah i just looked it up so yeah um it, it, you're right though the monkey like that 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 part of it didn't dawn on me until you said it and now i'm picturing it in my head again and i'm like yeah like it, of course it is it's like it's like you know when you watch documentaries about monkeys in the wild and you see them using yeah. you know different tools to do different things like mm. oh yeah you know, they take a heavy stick and they use it so they could crack the nut open and, and things like that. That's exactly what Spike did. He regressed into a monkey state. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, I need tool to open. Ah, yes, I shoot and it open. Yes, you know, like it was just, it was just mad. It was a proper mad, like really, really bizarre. But yeah, there you go, man. Um, so anyway, uh, in terms of the story, um. Spike, as Rich said, manages to get it open. Um, and we now know what that is a virus and, and what the virus can do. Um, because there's no bounty on Mother, the, the crew kind of decide, well, there's no point in keeping her here anymore. So um, they do like a trade and they let her, her go back to the, the Space Warriors. But just before she goes, Spike kind of slips um, the the viral the virus of the the viral virus into her pocket, um, but this is something that we don't see uh, in at that part of the story. Um, again, it's another really clever kind of twist in in the storytelling uh, of this episode. Um, but what happens is she gets back to her ship and she's negotiating with a, a politician from Ganymede, um, who is you know passing a bill. Um, or, or is, is being pushed by the Space Warriors to pass a bill that's going to protect sea rats to stop them from being sea, uh, harvested and, and things like that. Um, the, the person that she's negotiating with, the politician, is saying, look, I, you know, I've got to pass this on to Congress and they've got to debate it and you know, yada, 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 you know how politics works. Um, and obviously she's not happy with that. So she um, is deciding that you know she's going to use the full power of this virus against Ganymede as a, as a demonstration to say to them look don't test me you know um and then there's a guy within her her group who I can't remember what he did at the beginning of the episode but he did something to annoy a mother um so anyway they the space warriors turn on this guy and she orders them to lock him up in in one of these tubes and then they release the virus and you get to see him change into a monkey um, and the way it's done is is really like really cool, man. It's like a kind of like a body horror kind of thing. He he just mm. kind of you know he's screaming the whole time, and it's like ah, ah, and he's um, his body's stretching and elongating and all of that. And then as I said, he he basically becomes a monkey. 
Um, and it's really, yeah, it's really scary the way they've done it. So it's, it's really, really kind of well done the way the animators have, have pulled that one off because it, it looks really convincing as well. Um, so anyway, uh, the ISP, uh, ISSP um, go out to kind of confront her to stop her from releasing this virus into the environment. Um, but what they find out to their cost is that she's actually released a decoy ship um, and the decoy ship is rigged to explode and it takes out the police. Um, then mother, AKA Twinkle Maria gets on TV and she gives out like a whole speech about how humanity is corrupt and she's going to um, redress the balance and how she's going to do that is by releasing this um, virus onto everybody. So they're getting ready to launch the virus. Um, and basically, you know, Spike and Jet are like, look, man, we can't, we can't let this happen. Um, so they decide they're going to try and take her on and, and, and try and stop her. Um, and then also from launching the, the virus from the ship, they've actually invalidated the, the deal that um, the immunity deal that mother had with the government. So her bounty comes into action again. So there's actually a financial reason why they, they need to go after her. So um, as said, Spike and Jet are like, look, let's do it, man. Let's go after her. So, and then we get like, what's, actually quite a really cool action scene to end um the episode with um richie i don't know if you want to talk them through the action scene so you're talking about the bit where they're flying through the ship yeah 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 you know what? that's just that's just awesome uh well what, well you know what it is it's one of those things where it's like where we've gone back and we're watching these episodes is actually just remind and i think i've said this before like uh, in one of the other sessions it just reminds me that like the swordfish too which is basically like spike's ship it plays quite, 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 quite a quite a few major roles in getting him out of a bit of in getting him out of a bit of trouble mm. uh, when it comes to the space scenes. Like it's almost one of those things where it's like it becomes synonymous with him the, the same way how you might think of like Han Solo and you know you know and, and the Millennium Falcon or, or, or Captain Kirk and you know you know and the Enterprise even though there's a crew of them. So it's like essentially you've got Jet. We you know we all know that the Bebop itself belongs to Jet. And then we've got, you know, that the swordfish too belongs to Spike. I can never remember the the, the name of um of Faye's um spaceship, but oh, the red like, tail. Is that yeah? Oh, yeah, it's called the red tail. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. almost like each thing just the way they each each all have their own individual look. Mm. So when it comes to things like you know, like like the space battles and or like well the action scenes which might contain a space battle, um, it's very very much is is very easy to just basically like just know what's happening and who's who, um. And it's something that, like I said, it's not something that I didn't notice until I rewatched these episodes again, episodes again, because I haven't seen them for a little while. But the space scene is basically them having it's uh, is a basically almost like a, a space battle shootout. In a what what do you, what would you call them? Would you call them boom tubes? I'd call them boom tube boom boom tubes from like from like because that's what they call those type of things in DC. Mm-hmm. But basically, how they travel from how they travel around in a, in a bebop universe is that you kind of have like these gateways. Yeah, and they open yeah. up, and you can travel like inside these gateways. And what is it? Does it allow you to travel faster than what? Faster than light? Yeah, it. Be, there is um like there's a bit where Jet kind of explains a, a bit of the science behind them. But effectively, they they as you've said, they're they're um for DC Comics fans, you know, you'd call it a boom tube. Um, mm. But basically, it's like an astral gate. Um, if you think of like Stargate, where Stargate kind of allows you to to go from one side of the universe to another and and you know things like that that's effectively what these astral gates are they don't um 
well, so far in the series, we haven't encountered one that takes you like, you know, right across the universe, but um, certainly for, for traveling distances is what they do. I mean, effectively, if you think of them, I guess they're like uh, motorways if you're in the UK or if you're in America listening to this, a highway, um, you know, that that's effectively what they are, but um, a lot quicker. So it takes your craft right through from one point to another point. So, yeah, I guess that's that's the best way to describe it, really. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, basically, and so they basically end up, you know, having like a, a bit of a battle. Oh well, basically, Spike goes into goes into the the, the gateway uh, to follow Mother, and yet ended up just having this battle in there, and it's just them, just it's it's as good as the the space fight scenes in A New Hope. So, you, so you've got these ships that look like ships, and and they are in space. But the way how they move around is almost like a dogfight. So you see them basically fight, you know, shooting shooting at each other in you know in the, in this gateway and things like that. And you basically get to see once again how good of a pilot that Spike is, and how much of it. Like he's just it, once the thing about Spike, like Jason mentioned earlier in an episode, is that he's pretty much laid back when he's not do, when he's when he's doing something that he's not interested in. The minute he gets that that revitalization and he wakes up, you just realize that he's fucking good at like what he's good at. He's probably the best at. So he jumps behind the swordfish, and once he starts fly, once he starts flying and starts firing that gun, it's just like, yeah, this guy's just—he's just the best. It's just there's a reason why he's probably one of the best characters ever written, like in my opinion. And you see it like what you know, you know, in, in scenes like this. But anyway, basically, he ends up having this battle with, with Mother, and it's quite a wide array of like various weapons that are used, uh, and quite quite smartly used as well. Stuff that you'd probably see in like Avengers. Um, let's say like if you see War Machine or Iron Man where they might fire one rocket and then the rocket opens up and then and it lets out like other mini rockets and stuff like that. So um yeah it's, it's it's pretty much well it's pretty much well well played out but there's a bit where basically Spike ends up being in a bit of trouble and he then has to you know do the last thing that he that he thought he'd ask is basically ask Faye to come and help him. Mm. And so she jumps in a red tail and it's basically these three ships basically having a space battle inside this boot troop. Now the thing is, if you the way how the way the boom true the way how the astral gate works is that if you're knocked outside of the actual gate itself while in motion, I think you get lost in between space and time. Yeah, or some, you do. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you do. Mm. Yeah, so basically, at, at one point, Spike's actually been damaged, um, and his his wing is actually starting to clip the side of the of the, of the astral gate, and and the Fae manages to come and save him and everything. And it's 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 just a really really good fight scene. Like I said, it's it's the closest thing you will get to like a, a space World War Two dogfight. Um, yeah, but and and it's just yeah, all I can say is that you just you just need really need to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so basically, the uh, the terrorists release these missiles that are carrying the virus towards um, Ganymede, and because um, of the battle that ensues between. Uh, Spike on the swordfish and Faye on the red tail and and um, the terrorists in their ship. Um, they managed to lead them through the astral gate. Um, and then, as Rich said, you know, when you get hit out in the the astral gate, you actually get trapped in reality. So um, Spike and Faye managed to just about make it out, um, but the space warriors get trapped in there. Um, and then, because they're trapped in kind of like um, I guess trapped in time and space almost. 
um, all of those kind of the laws of gravity and things like that's kind of cease to to exist. Um, so they're just kind of floating. And um, I love this scene so much. This scene so great because um, everybody kind of flies forward. Or, um, you know, you get a shot inside of the uh, Space Warrior ship and everybody kind of flies forward in slow motion. Um, and you see that as Mother is kind of, throw, uh, kind of flying forward in slow motion and, and flying towards this, the screen of the ship, um, you see that out of her pocket pops the little vial that Spike had slid in there while she was on the ship. And um, the way they do it is so clever because the vial comes out of her pocket and then you you get a cut back, like a flashback cut back to that scene when she's leaving the ship. And that's where you see that Spike had very cleverly kind of put the vial in her pocket just as she left. Um, so the vial comes spinning out and goes in slow-mo and she kind of almost screams um, because she realizes what's about to happen as this vial hits the glass and then the virus just spreads everywhere. And um, we don't see what happens, but it's pretty obvious that, you know, the virus is now going to infect the entire crew of space warriors. And, um, you know, the eco-terrorists are, are now going to be monkeys, basically. Um, and I guess in a way that's kind of what they would have wanted because, you know, because of their beliefs, that's that's probably the state they wanted to be in, but not at that at this point and not under those circumstances. Uh, but I thought it was just really clever the way they kind of edited that that scene together at the end. So um, we get towards the, the end of the episode, um, and the episode ends in a really really funny way. Basically, back on the bebop, <laughs> um, you know, Faye is, is now with Jet and Spike. Um, and she's saying, you know, don't worry, guys. It's, you know, some you win some and you lose some. We didn't get the money, but, you know, we'll get them next time. And she kind of walks off. And then, like, Jet and Spike kind of process what she's saying. And then Spike is like, wait, did I hear what I thought I heard? And Jet's just like, I don't even want to engage. Um, but basically, yeah. <laughs> Faye... <laughs> Basically, Faye has just told them, yeah, I'm part of the crew now. <laughs> like That's effectively what she's saying here is, yeah, we'll get them next time. As in me, you, Spike and 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 um, Jet, you know, don't worry about it. Like, we we got this. And it's like, hold on. Yeah, you know, Spike is like, what What we? What are you talking about? Like, you, who asked you on board the ship? Who told you you could stay on the ship? So um, she walks off saying she's going to go and have a shower um, Spike is is incredulous as to what's happened. Jet is like, I I'm just staying out of this. I ain't got the energy. Um, so <laughs> Spike is like, I'm gonna go give her a piece of my mind. And Spike and, and Jet is like, listen, like <laughs> I don't even know why you're bothering, fam. But off you go. And um, the last shot is kind of him lying down on the sofa with his head back, as you can hear in the background these two raised voices shouting at each other. And then the screen goes to black just as you hear gunshots in the background, and it's like raw, like okay. <laughs> That's um, Faye basically saying, "Listen, I'm I'm done talking about this. I'm part <laughs> of the crew now. There's nothing for you to say here." So yeah, I thought that was a, a, a kind of clever ending. Uh, what what did you make of the ending of the episode? No, listen, the ending. Listen, the thing is, I, I mean, I can't remember what he says, but remember what it is is that Spike's basically trying to trying to moan to him. Mm. But the thing is, you said it to me last time. You actually remember the quote. Spike's going like, "Jet, why, why is there why is there why is there a woman on, on on the ship? Like, I don't like I don't I didn't ask for women. I don't like women on the ship." And I think Jet says something like. I have. He says something in particular. Yeah, like, he said. Yeah, he like, says I have no like 
I have no particular opinion to add or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 is, yeah, yeah. And then everything, every, yeah, every time Spike says something, that's like, like, listen, what's going on? And Jet just keeps on repeating himself. And that's the thing was like, Spike's just, you don't really see Spike get ruffled unless he's like in, in, a, in a, something maybe physical or as we get into later episodes, you, you'll see what can get him riled up. But then this is the first time where you're just like, you know what? I'm going to go do something. And you see him get up. Usually when he sees Spike, this is where there's a bit of a role reversal, which is what makes it even more funny. Jet's the laid back one. Jet's just like you said, he's just lying down in the sofa, hands behind his head, and he's just chilling. And for, like for the first time in basically four episodes, Spike is the one that's a bit ruffled and he gets up. I'm going to go talk to her. And then like I said, then he goes and he goes to say that thing. And then you hear the, the, the bang. And then you hear Jet going like, yeah, I thought I saw that coming. And then it cuts to black. And it's just that perfect piece of... You know, of just comedy. It reminds me somewhat of like, you know, when you used to watch like episodes of Friends, if any of you guys used to watch Friends or any other funny, let's say like, um, you know, comedy TV show where it would show credits at the end. And while the mm. credits are running at the end, there'd be that little joke that you have just before like the Warner Brothers sign comes up. That's what it reminds me of. Where it's just like, 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 you know what? This is becoming like a little bit of a family and they're kind of setting things up and it's nice. So even though you've heard like a gunshot and stuff, you obviously, you know, that Spike isn't dead. And once again, you you know, like I said, you've now got an extra member added to the crew of the B book. So, mm. like I said, beginning of this, well, the beginning of this episode and the beginning of this actual like um podcast, it's a journey of people becoming friends and losing friends, and people making or and people becoming you know family members, and like and this is the first sign of like another member joining the crew, and it's just. As you go, as as the episodes go on, like this one, I think the ending of this is what makes the show work for me. Like I said, it's still a filling in episode, but it's the ending of the show where it's like, well, this is how Faye joins the crew. And you could just be like, yeah, Faye joined the crew because of X, Y, Z. You actually wouldn't even go into specifics. You just need to know that this is the episode that, that cements Faye Valentine as a member of the Bebop, as a member of the, yeah, the, member of the Bebop ship. And mm. that, that's what I love about the, about the ending. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. Um, very much so. It, it, as Rich said, it's it's kind of the the first kind of shoots of of what's to become a very famous team. Um, and you know, mm. seeing that play out in the way that it did was was really really cool. Um, so there wasn't a lot of kind of trivia and and. Um, things to look up on on this episode, unfortunately, listeners. Um, yeah, it was one that that. I couldn't really dig up too much information, but I went to uh, our trusty friend, uh, Bebopopedia. Um, so for those of you who uh, are interested in finding out a bit more about Cowboy Bebop and the stories behind some of the episodes, uh, I could definitely highly recommend that you visit Bebopopedia.com. Um, it's awesome. It's just such a great like resource for, for anything Cowboy Bebop. Um, so yeah, there was, as I said, there isn't really a lot of, of kind of... Um, background kind of ideas and, and things like that um one of the things they do mention though is um handcuffs and Faye being you know back in handcuffs again um as said it's it's something that we see on numerous occasions um whether or not you know you <laughs> you can consider in 2018 whether that's um, necessarily a positive image or not um i'll leave that debate for you to have amongst yourselves but that's something that that happens uh, a lot throughout the show um, the planet Ganymede that they're on is actually uh, a moon of Jupiter. 
Um, and apparently, according to Bebopopedia, it will appear multiple times throughout the series. So we'll look out for um, some more mentions of that. Um, it mentions something as well that we've already touched upon, I think we did in, in pretty much every episode. Um, and that's obviously the concept of the Miss Bounty. Um, and the fact that, you know, as much as they try, they don't seem to be able to collect a bounty. And they certainly haven't done it in the four episodes that we've covered <laughs> so far. Um, and as said, this is is a motif that kind of goes on. So I don't know whether that says they're not very good bounty hunters or not. But um, yeah, basically, the, I, I mean, if you're judging them on how much bounties they collect, um, the answer is not many. <laughs> so yeah, they they fail to collect the bounty in in this episode. Um, and a piece of trivia is that uh, Ganymede, um, according to Bebopopedia, is the largest moon of Jupiter. Um, and the largest natural satellite in the solar system. Um, it's composed of silicate rock and water ice, um, and apparently evidence shows that the moon has a tenuous oxygen-based atmosphere um, and possible saltwater ocean beneath its icy crust. Um, so there's the possibility that, that the real Ganymede um, may support some life of, of some description, um, because usually there, there needs to be the presence of oxygen and, and water in order for that to happen. So um, who knows? Maybe there's someone on Jupiter listening to this right now. In which <laughs> case, we say to you, peace, Mr. Alien or Mrs. Alien or whoever it is. Um, but yeah, that's it really for the, the trivia side of things. So as said, um, you know, as we said at the beginning, this is kind of a, a filler in episode in, in a way. Um, and it's still quite entertaining on, on a certain level. And it is really funny at, at certain points. Um, but there isn't really anything kind of hugely inconsequ uh, hugely consequential that happens in this episode um, to kind of push the, the wider narrative forward as, as we've seen it so far. But that is about to change because in our next session, we're going to be looking at um, session five, uh, Balland of Fallen Angels. Um, and if you're familiar with the episodes and, and you're familiar with Cowboy Bebop, um, you'll know that's a pretty key episode in, in the series so far um, because it tells us a little bit more about Spike and about his background. Um, and it confronts the the crew of the Bebop with, um, well, one of their most difficult opponents, really, throughout the, the whole series. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that one. So we're definitely going to be riding up on, on that one big time, man. Um, so we'll let you know when Session 5 is available for you to listen to. Um, but in the meantime, Rich, is there anything you wanted to, to add about this one before we wrap it up? Yeah, uh, two things. Um, mm -hmm. One, two things. If Luca was awake, he probably would have been able to tell us that about Ganymede and how it's the largest, the largest moon from Tit um, the largest moon of Jupiter. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes, he's just a big fan of space. Yeah, um, this is, if, you're, if you're new, Richard's son Luca is um is an absolute whiz when it comes to the solar system. So yeah, we we um <laughs> if it does come on again and, and Ganymede is mentioned again, we'll yeah. we'll try and get some word from Luca to to tell us a little bit about um Ganymede and and, and what it's about. But sorry, go on, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's that. I mean, I'm not sure if it's even trivia per se, or if it's just my geek brain going into overdrive. But you see the bit when um, the person who's negotiating with mother, uh, with the with the virus, the guy in the suit. Mm. Um, there's there's a bunch of like computer screens behind him, and there's a couple of names that that keep on popping up. And right. one name I saw was Thomas Wayne. So I'm not oh, sure if really? that. I'm not sure if that's like a, like I said. This could be my geek brain going in, into overdrive. And mm. another name I saw was were, were, were two surnames that I saw were Smith and Robinson. 
and mm. Smith and Robinson are, were basically the surnames of like well basically there's a, there used to be a 60s TV show audience or listeners um, we're kind of showing our age here not say so that we were around when the show first came out but we were around when reruns well rerun reruns were around um, called Lost in Space which was like a science fiction version of mm. the was it the Swiss Family Robinson yeah yeah and basically the family were called the Robinsons and they had a stowaway um, who would basically always try and you know try and mess about with them and try and you know and deceive them and like you know dub them in if he if he got the chance to let's say to save himself and his name was Dr. Zachary Smith and I'll always remember his name because he was my one of the first shows that my father watched when he came to London from Ghana was basically Lost in Space and he said that he just always used to find that character funny so like I said I'm not sure if it's my geek brain going into overdrive and me just seeing things but those are that's one thing that I saw and there's another bit where um there seems to be like computer, like it's almost like a, a black screen of like, you know, the, the computer numbers and stuff going up. And it's a mixture of like numbers and letters. And for some reason, I just kept on seeing the words Gattaca come up. Gattaca, Gattaca, Gattaca. And I'm not even sure when the film Gattaca came out with Jude Law. And, oh, the um, one with um, yeah. Ethan Hawke and... Yeah, um, Ethan Hawke and Jude, Jude Law. Law. Yeah, and, and, and Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, yes, that pops up as yeah. well. Well, I think it pops up. I'll, I'll actually need to go back and rewatch that episode to see if that's mm. what I see, mm. or if it's something that I wanted to see, or if I am actually just caught in a matrix. But mm. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'll let you guys know next next session. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. And the last last thing mm. is um, when the credits are rolling, um, which is something which is quite which is quite interesting because we haven't actually touched upon this. At the end of each episode, uh, just before the credits roll it kind of gives you a breakdown of what's going to happen in the next episodes. Yes. Yeah. This doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in this one, does it? Uh, no, it does. No. Oh, does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so it does. But then when they roll in the credits at the end, where you actually see the credits and they're singing the actual song and it shows pictures, the pictures are different and it shows images of a younger spike and the younger character called vicious who we're going to meet in the next episode and a lady called Julia, who we're going to meet in the next episode. And it shows them in their younger heydays. Um, but like I said, I don't want to talk about too much about that because that's stuff that's going to be touched upon in the next session. But it is kind of like a, like a forebearer of what's to come next. Um, so yeah, yeah that, I think I'll, I'll just leave it on that. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, so as said, listeners, um, session five is is going to be an exciting one. Um, it really is. I mean, it's, it, it's like it's one of my favorite episodes in the whole series. Um, definitely in in my top five. Um, and yeah, it, it's just so dense and detailed, um, and it's very different in tone to to um, this session that we've just covered. So if you like your anime a little bit more serious and gritty, um, then definitely go and check out session five. Um, we will be covering session five, of course, uh, as we do here. Um, session five, for those of you that don't know, is called The Ballad of Fallen Angels. Um, so you can look that name up um, if you find Cowboy Bebop online. You should be able to find it still on Netflix, I believe. So um, if you've got a Netflix account, then, then yeah, just search for Cowboy Bebop and it should pop up on there. Um, or failing that, as I said, I think somebody has put the whole series up on YouTube anyway. Um, so you could probably find it on YouTube um, until you know Google catch on and, and pull it down. But um, yeah, you should you should be able to find it there. So so go and check that out. It's definitely worth a watch. So we'll be back very very soon with session five. Um, but we're going to draw a line under this one and, and call it a day. So um, 
before we head out a uh, couple of points i just wanted to say um a real real big thank you to rob wade and to all the guys from emotionally14.com who help us out with promotion for this podcast and for our other podcast wulong talks um if you haven't heard our other podcast wulong talks please go and have a listen man because it's fun we love doing it um we talk about movies we talk about comic books popular culture and things that are in the news right now um and we kind of just give you our take on it and, and our spin um so go and have a, a listen to that you'll find that wherever you found this podcast you'll you'll probably find the Willow talks episode there um we've redesigned our soundcloud page a little bit as well um with soundcloud you're able to put things into albums and playlists so we've created a couple of playlists for you so um, that will make it easier for you to listen to um these things including the bebop rewatch so if you do have a soundcloud account you can head over to our soundcloud page um and listen to all of the bebop rewatch episodes back to back um so you can get one complete kind of um experience with with that um also we've got to say a big thank you as well to the Britpod scene um which is a, a collective of, of uk podcasts um all independently produced over a hundred of them and they cover so many different topics i mean they they cover everything from movies to TV shows to relationships to bird watching to anatomy to murder you name it they there's somebody on the Britpod scene who does it so make sure you go and check out the hashtag Britpod scene as well um, again you'll find some more details about that at the end of this podcast but um, thanks for listening I'm gonna say goodbye and, and call it a day so it's a goodbye from me Rich say goodbye goodbye and thanks a lot again for joining us. We really appreciate you um, having a listen to these and we hope you're enjoying them. Um, if there's anything you want us to cover, if you want us to give you a shout out, um, please just let us know. We've said, um, just listen to the end of this podcast and you'll find out how to get in touch with us. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week for session five. Take care. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Britpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 